Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work, and you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Pastor Rick Stevens. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be bringing us up to date on what's happening here locally. It is November the 9th, and on this day in 1989, East German officials opened the Berlin Wall, allowing travel from east to west Berlin. The following day, celebrating Germans began to tear down the wall. One of the ugliest and most infamous symbols of the Cold War was soon reduced to rubble and then was quickly snatched up by souvenir hunters. The East German action followed a decision by Hungarian officials a few weeks earlier to open the border between Hungary and Austria. This effectively ended the purpose of the Berlin Wall since East German citizens could now circumvent it by going through Hungary into Austria and thence into West Germany. The decision to open the wall was also a reflection of the immense political changes taking place in East Germany, where the oldest communist uh, leadership was rapidly losing power and the populace demanding uh, free elections and movement towards a free market system. The action also had an impact on President George Bush and his advisors. After watching television coverage of the delirious German crowds demolishing the wall, many in Bush administration became more convinced than ever that Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev's statements about desiring new relationship with the West must be taken more seriously. Unlike uh, 1956 or 68, when Soviet forces ruthlessly crushed protests in Hungary and Czechoslovakia, respectively, Gorbachev actually encouraged the East German action. As such, the destruction of the Berlin Wall was one of the most significant actions leading to the end of the Cold War. It's kind of interesting. Since then, we've had some pretty hot wars. So uh, our relationship with Russia certainly changed over the years. Still, we make them out to be the bad guy. Saddled with historically unpopular president uh, anger over crime and inflation, Democrats still managed somehow to win the marquee races of the 2023 election season on the strength of abortion messaging, early turnout, and ad spending blitzes. The Republicans' latest disappointing election performance from Glenn Youngkin's failed bid to uh, capture control of the Virginia legislature to Daniel Cameron's loss to the gubernatorial mansion at Deep Red, Kentucky. Uh, left many of social media Tuesday night calling the GOP party chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, to be ousted for a losing streak that stretches back to 2018 and exposed the Republican National Committee's weakness on messaging and getting out the vote operations. What exactly does Ronna McDaniel do besides lose longtime conservative TV host, columnist, and former Trump administration official Monica Crowley said on X, the social media platform, The only thing she should do is resign effective immediately, she said. Uh, Lawyer Rogan Handley, O'Handley, one of the most influential young conservatives on social media who uses the handle DC Drano, offered a similar sentiment. Today is yet another reason Ronna McDaniel should resign in disgrace. She does nothing except help the GOP lose, he wrote in social media. Since taking charge in 2017, she's been a master fundraiser, but a team lost control of the U.S. House in 18, the White House and Senate in 220, and uh, it underperformed in the 22 and 23 races, with few exceptions. So, uh, again, uh, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting, and right now it's leaving a bad taste in everybody's mouth. That's Ronna McDaniel. One night after Republicans suffered losses in Kentucky and Virginia on election night, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis opened the debate saying Trump promised Republicans we're, go- not, we're, tired of, uh, we're going to get tired of winning, but he's getting sick of Republicans losing, said DeSantis. Instead, DeSantis argued he should show how it's done in Florida, where he won re-election last year in a landslide. Vivek Ramaswamy, who had promised earlier in the night that he would be unhinged at the debate, came out swinging in his first answer, going after Republican National Committee Chair Ronna McDaniel and the media. 
it was an interesting uh, performance last night. I would say that all those candidates up there were better than anything the Democrat Party could produce, irrespective. The big winner, of course, was uh, Donald Trump. He was doing a rally in Hialeah in Florida, and uh, people were just uh, really wildly cheering and uh, rooting on Trump. Uh, but it was an impressive group up on the stage, uh, except for perhaps a couple. But nevertheless, uh, lots of hard feelings. In fact, uh, Nick Haley called uh, Ramaswamy uh, a, a, a pretty uh, a pretty bad name. Anyhow, yeah, the debate is over, and there's one more debate before uh, the primaries. Israel accelerated its offensive into uh, Gaza City yesterday with increasing reports of clashes between Israeli defense forces and Hamas militants in residential neighborhoods. The movement comes days after Israel encircled the city on northern Gaza Strip, cutting it off from the rest of the 25-mile-long territory. Israeli officials say they are focused on infiltrating and destroying an elaborate underground tunnel system used by Hamas. The exact location and extent of the network is unknown, previous intelligence from Israel uh, suggested separate systems exist in both North and South Gaza. Roughly 300 miles of tunnels are believed to be, have been built, some reaching 200 feet underground with a more complex tunnel labyrinth under Gaza City. Separately, U.S. Uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken called for a united Palestinian-led government for both Gaza Strip and West Bank following the conflict. Uh, he should probably keep his nose out of that, <laughs> out of Israel's business, but irrespective. Uh, Israeli President Benjamin Netanyahu has recently said Israel would be responsible for the post-war security in Gaza. He didn't give a lot of details on that, but it's an interesting point of view. Well, the House Oversight and Accountability Committee on Wednesday signed subpoenas for first son Hunter Biden, President Joe Biden's brother James Biden, and business associate Rob Walker, as the investigation of the first family's business dealings heats up, committee chairman James Comer uh, told Just the News, no noise, that's a pretty good show, by the way, on Tuesday before issuing the subpoena, that is, investigation is going to start with interviewing Biden family members and the president himself will be the final person interviewed. If anyone tries to defy the subpoenas, Comer said, his committee plans to work on holding them con- con- in contempt of Congress. Uh, House Republicans officially launched their impeachment inquiry into Biden in September over allegations that he oversaw a foreign influence peddling scheme, deceived 2020 election voters, and covered up the crimes of his son. Comer is also seeking transcribed interviews with Hunter Biden's wife, Melissa Cohen, and Hunter Biden's ex-girlfriend and his brother's widow, Haley uh, Biden, among others. So uh, pressing on, it's good to see that they're making some headway here on the investigation into Biden. The committee, uh, combination of high levels of debt and higher interest rates have pushed the annualized interest cost of governmental debt past $1 trillion. There's no turning back now. This amounts to a doubling of interest costs over the past 19 months, according to Bloomberg. It's the equivalent of 15.9% of the federal budget for fiscal year 2022. Bloomberg reported that the worsening metrics may reignite debate among the U.S. fiscal path amid heavy borrowing from Washington. The dynamic has already helped drive up bond yields, threaten the return of so-called bond vigilantes, and led Fitch ratings to downgrade U.S. government debt. Uh, The Congressional Budget Office estimates the cumulative deficit of the 2024-33 period will total $20.2 trillion, or 6.1% of GDP. Deficits are expected to be at least 5.5% of GDP every year for the coming decade. Since 1973, the federal government budget deficit has averaged 3.6% of GDP. So things are way out of whack financially and uh, just really depending on uh, Mike Johnson to get things headed in the right direction with uh, returning to uh, normal procedure when it comes to creating a budget. Well, at least there's a jobs boom somewhere in America. Washington, D.C., for months now that the government, uh, local, state, and federal has been on a mad hiring spree this year. The new jobs numbers released Friday show more of the same. Another 51,000 government workers were hired, second only to the 55,000 in health care. And that doesn't even include the IRS agents that Biden still wants to hire. So big problems on that front, too. We see a growing government and also a growing debt. Probably ought to get uh, reduce the size of government. That would be a big start in reducing the debt. 
Well, Hollywood Actors Union reached a tentative deal with studios Wednesday to end its strike, bring uh, a close to uh, months of labor strife that uh, ground the entertainment industry to a historic halt. The three-year contract must be approved by votes from the union board and for its members in the coming days, but the leadership declared that the strike will end at 12.01 a.m. on Thursday. Uh, more than 60,000 members of the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Art Performers, went on strike uh, on the 14th, July the 14th, joining screen, screenwriters who had walked off the job more than two months earlier. It was the first time the two unions had been on strike together since 1960. Studios uh, chose to negotiate with the writers first, striking a deal and that their leadership marked as a major win and bringing their strike to an end on September the 26th. So that strike is over, uh, and uh, perhaps uh, see some more content now coming to TV and television and uh, the movies. On Tuesday, the European Space Agency's Euclid Space Telescope, this is so interesting, revealed its first images of the dark side, that's a quote, dark side of the universe. The agency unveiled the telescope in July along with its mission to document dark matter and dark energy, which is believed to make up 95% of the universe but remains largely unknown. Euclid can see galaxies 10 billion light years away. 10 billion light years away, and scientists hope its images will show how the universe has evolved. The telescope's first image captured the Perseus Galaxy Cluster and Horsehead Nebula, which includes about 100,000 galaxies. Not planets, galaxies, 100,000 galaxies, many of which have never been seen before. It comes as scientists have uncovered the oldest black hole yet, forming 470 million years after the Big Bang. It's a booming time for space discoveries. And for me, I don't know about you, but this is so interesting. It's amazing, you know, how how much we don't know about our surroundings and outer space. Well, Donald Trump's net worth has increased by approximately $500 million since he left the White House, despite a Democrat attorney general and judge trying to undermine his business empire in New York. The Bloomberg Billionaires Index, unlikely to be especially sympathetic to Trump, uh, given his public humiliation of the mini uh, Michael Bloomberg, reported the former president's fortune has risen from $2.6 billion to $3.1 billion. Trump's businesses are improving resilient in the face of a gloomy real estate market, uh, Bloomberg concedes, noting that MAGA Kingpin's Mar-a-Lago Club is prospering and revenues from his golf courses have surged, leaving him sitting on more cash and less leverage than any point in the past decade. So the president's moving forward with a lot of gusto and success in spite of what's happening in the economy for the rest of us. In New York, Attorney General Letitia James is taking Trump and his business empire to court for civil fraud. And, of course, uh, Arthur Engeron, the judge, is uh, clearly, Democrat donated thousands of dollars to the Democrats. This is such a farce. What's happening on that that front? Nevertheless, uh, Trump highly successful and defending himself in New York court. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by uh, reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting Pastor Rick Stevens. He is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. 
Lulubee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulubees.com and stop by Lulubee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulubee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harton show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens. He is the co-founder of a terrific organization. It's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. I always enjoy talking to you, Bob. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, Pastor Rick. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're just a group of people that care about kids and wanting to help them have a better education. We work with all kinds of people and try to represent the concerns of parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, and we try to bring solutions to those problems. I, we had a meeting with a, a state official this week, and we said something about the interest in solutions, and this person's response was, everybody brings me problems. And uh, so we're trying to be the solution-oriented group that helps actually make a difference in the lives of children and their education. Well, you certainly have, and I just suggest our listeners go to your website, goflca.org, goflca.org. In the last decade, I think you've done so much to improve the quality of public education here in Florida, and uh, your fingerprints are all over the success we've had in the last decade, so congratulations. Well, thank you. Absolutely. So I understand there's some good news for uh, residents of Collier County. Yes, I don't know if people have heard, but it did make some local media outlets that in response to the legislature passing and the governor signing what we've referred to as HB 1069, they have removed more than 300 books with objectionable material from the school system, libraries, and other places across the district. And that sounds like a lot, and it is. There may be more to come. We don't know. But I think in all the times that we have tried to get school districts to do the right thing, to pay attention to these things, with all the pushback we've gotten, I think that Collier County has done the right thing by taking the initiative and removing the books right up front. And part of what some of us have wondered is why school districts wouldn't take that initiative. And so when they do, we should give them credit and we should help them realize, and I'm not sure school districts think this way, but we should help them realize this is a big step in earning the trust of the parents, of the students, of the aunts and uncles, the grandparents, the residents of Collier County, that they really do put the kids' interests first and that they're not trying to do things behind our back. So I think we should give them credit. Yeah, they do deserve credit. And I'll tell you, you know, we've seen, for example, in school board meetings where uh, someone has a t- started to read the smut that you're talking about, the books that have been eliminated, and uh, the t- attorney wouldn't allow it because it is such smut. So it's really good that the, this uh, step has been taken. Nobody wants to see book burning or you know the, <laughs> eliminating literature in schools, but this stuff is clearly 
As one Supreme Court justice once said, uh, uh, you know smut, you know porn when you see it, and uh, it doesn't belong in public schools. It's available to everybody everywhere else, no question about that, but it shouldn't be in public schools. That's, that's exactly right, and that's, it's important that you mention that because every time that this is reported, that I've seen anyway, somebody is quoted as saying they're against banning books. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome to the neighborhood, many of us, and you just said it, we're not so interested in banning books, we're interested in protecting children. Right. And these books are available, if parents want their children exposed to them, they can do that, that there's nothing to prevent that. But this idea that it's banning books is simply either people don't know what's going on or they are somehow defending this literature, uh, maybe for another agenda, I don't know. But really what we're trying to do is protect the innocence of our children and let them have a childhood. They will grow up soon enough. I know most kids don't think they grow up fast enough, but they will grow up soon enough and they'll have to face all the stuff that being an adult means. Let's let them have their innocence while they're children, and enjoy those years. I think that's so important. Absolutely, Pastor Rick. Well said. So uh, I understand that state legislatures uh, was addressing not only what's happening in Israel and Gaza, but also uh, educational issues. Yes, we understand, and I don't know the status of it, but they were planning to approve additional funding for the scholarships that approved and put into place last last year during the session, what we refer to as HB1, the the uh, scholarship programs. There has apparently been a huge demand, which doesn't surprise some of us, but in the unique ability side of that scholarship program, the, the, I understand there's been a waiting list of some 8,000 students. And so the legislature was going to address that, and they may already have, I don't know, that, that during the special session so that money could be available to those students. And that is a huge, huge win for the residents of Florida and for these students. I, I don't think we can, we can, uh, brag on them enough for that because that's absolutely doing the right thing and we want these students to have these opportunities and the state's stepping up to do that and they didn't wait until the regular session that's really good yeah it is good and in fact uh, i i saw um, i wish i had it here in front of me but uh, the governor said that the special session has ended and he was really applauding the legislature for its accomplishments it wouldn't surprise me and i know that was one of the things they were looking at so it wouldn't surprise me if they passed this additional this additional funding for scholarships and by the way i mean uh, to me it's terrific to see the level of school choice that's going on in the state of florida are you surprised about the number of scholarships that have been awarded uh, from these, the special funding that's been created? Well, I don't, I don't think any of us who have been advocates for choice are surprised that people are responding to it. In some respects, we might be surprised that more people aren't. Mm. But it is absolutely a huge support for Florida families. The fact that, that parents now can see their struggling children in whatever educational environment they're in and realize they have opportunities to change that and we want to help parents. I mean, in Lee County, I keep hearing reports of, of students going to school and there's no teacher for this class or that class or the other. Hmm. Uh, and we can help parents who, I mean, why send your kid to a school if there's no teacher? We can help <laughs> them find the best teacher, which is them, with our micro school initiative and homeschooling option. It's never been better for students in Florida. And we want to encourage parents not to feel stuck where they are. You have options and we want to help you with that. Again, go to goflca.org is the website. Goflca.org. It's just uh, goflca. I think I said that correctly. Dot uh, yeah. org and uh, check it out. Make a contribution. By the way, this uh, organization is run on a shoestring. Uh, you know, neither Pastor Rick nor uh, Keith Law, the co- the CEO, take an uh, income for this, and they're up in Tallahassee all the time on their own dime, So uh, they're and they're doing it for us, and they're doing it for the kids in pub- Florida public schools. So just genuinely appreciate your contributions coming on the show, but also what you're doing for the state of Florida, Pastor Rick. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, always good to talk to you. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? 
Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. Has some great performances coming up, and you can get tickets by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Michael Cannon. He is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Great to be back, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We've been around since 1977, and we advocate the ideals of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. And as I said before, Bob, you'd think these things would not be controversial, but we do work in Washington, D.C., and we see the expansion of government, and we see the antithesis in many cases of the things that we're working so hard to achieve. So uh, thank you for that, Michael. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. I hope you check it out. Uh, so, uh, Michael, you've uh, written an interesting book. I think it's called Recovery, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. Yeah, and uh, just came out in the last couple of weeks. Well, Saturday is Veterans Day, and uh, of course, there's a large part of our government funding that goes into hospitals and so forth, the VA benefits. Uh, Did you address that in your book? This is one part of the book where I actually advocate more government spending, because right now, uh, Congress makes commitments to veterans or to active duty personnel, that they military personnel, that Congress will care for them when they leave the service, if they have a disability or illness connected to their service or provide survivors benefits to their families if they die uh, while in service. But Congress doesn't fund those commitments when it makes them. So that creates all sorts of problems. Congress waits until uh, military personnel leave service and uh, become veterans and show up and claim veterans benefits. That's when Congress starts writing those checks. That's a huge problem for a number of reasons. The first one is uh, veterans' benefits are the largest fiscal cost of war. And uh, and the reason is they stretch on for decades. Like, Bob, uh, it might amaze you to know that that, uh, Congress did not stop paying Civil War-era veterans' benefits until three years ago. Wow. Because there was a child of a Civil War soldier who uh, was receiving those benefits and only died in 2020. And there are 1.7 million Vietnam veterans still receiving benefits. The disability benefits for Vietnam-era veterans have not peaked yet. They are still climbing 50 years after 
that conflict. So the fiscal cost, the greatest fiscal cost of war is veterans benefits. But Congress doesn't because it doesn't set money aside for those costs. That's a huge fiscal deception that uh, that that makes voters and military personnel and even presidents and members of Congress believe that war is cheaper than it actually is. Yeah. That we can fight wars and it won't cost us as much money as it actually does. It hides the biggest cost of war. So that's a, that's a problem just because it's deceptive. It, it, it is dishonest to hide that cost of war. But then the worst part is that it effectively reduces the price of war for policymakers. If, if they're trying to decide whether to uh, send troops into a combat zone or, or deciding how long to keep troops in a combat zone, they're going to choose war more often because uh, they don't have to uh, raise all the money that it will cost to pay for that war. And so we end up with troops in Afghanistan for 20 years, even though President Obama tried to draw some of them down in uh, in in 2012 and did. He didn't draw it all down. Vice President Biden said, we'll be out of there come hell or high water in 2014. That didn't happen. And part of the reason is because they didn't have to face the fiscal cost of the full fiscal cost of keeping troops there. And they couldn't argue the fiscal benefits, the full fiscal benefits of bringing them home. And this comes up every time Congress or the president is trying to decide whether to Send troops to Iraq, keep troops in Iraq, send troops to Syria and uh, uh, increase the number of U.S. troops there or reduce them. Donald Trump tried to get U.S. troops out of Syria entirely, but he reneged on that commitment and that left hundreds of U.S. troops there. Uh, And now those troops are being attacked by uh, militants in Syria that are allies of Iran yeah. And they're really just sitting there with no mission, no purpose. They're sitting ducks that yeah. are only increasing the risk of war with Iran. And one of the reasons that President Trump has not been able to get them out of there and that President Biden does not uh, seem like he wants to get them out of there is because they don't have to pay the full cost of keeping them there. It's so interesting and great commentary, Michael. That you told me, uh, told us of things that I was not aware of. So I really appreciate that. And here, you know, this is a great opportunity to underscore how important it is that, that we honor the people who, in many cases, gave the ultimate sacrifice or lost a limb, uh, lost their health, uh, PSTD, whatever the uh, circumstances might be. People they come back, back uh, not the same people, and we should be so grateful for their sacrifice. And uh, I'm not sure that we provide the benefits uh, that we should provide. I think that's what your opening statement is, is we should be spending more money and have it have it budgeted. So the, re- the reform proposal in the book that would overhaul veterans' benefits and provide veterans better benefits that they have right now and force Congress and the president to confront those costs and finance uh, veterans' benefits at the moment they incur those obligations yeah. uh, would increase government spending in the here and now, but it wouldn't increase the size of government. It would just make those long-term hidden expenses or commitments. Uh, It would make them transparent and have Congress spend that money now rather than spend it in the future, set that money aside so that it's there for veterans when they need those benefits, but also so that Congress and the president make better decisions when it comes to risking the lives of U.S. troops, right. which should result in fewer dead and disabled veterans. You would think so. You would think that that should, uh, that should have an impact. The cost of war should have an impact on the decision to have a war in the first place. So that's a, such interesting information. So what, what you're suggesting, if I'm not mistaken, is that, for example, if we decide to go to war uh, with, for example, uh, in Gaza, uh, we should understand what the cost might be for those that are killed or maimed in uh, Gaza, and uh, be should be calculated and uh, planned for the uh, future uh, spending uh, in in the United States. And the way to do that, the way to prefund these benefits and force Congress to confront those costs uh, of uh, of war, the veterans' benefits costs, which rise when conflict is imminent or when once we're in a conflict, is to have 
veterans get their benefits from competing private insurance companies that provide life, health, and disability benefits to service members once they leave the service. Let those insurance companies charge what we call actuarially fair premiums that go that rise so they can increase premiums when the risk of service-related death, illness, or disability rises. Uh, and then in the way Congress increases spending is by increasing military pay so that active duty service members can afford those veterans benefits from private insurance companies and automatically increasing active duty military pay as insurers increase those premiums. So interesting. So if, if, uh, the, if the president decides that he's going to uh, increase the number of troops in Syria, or if, God forbid, the, the president decides that uh, we're going to go to war with Iran or with Hamas or, or with Russia in Ukraine, then those insurance companies whose money would be on the line for those veterans' benefits, they are going to make, uh, they're going to change their assessment of how much it's going to cost to provide those benefits. They're going to increase those premiums, and military pay is going to rise automatically to match those those rising premiums. And Congress is, and the president are going to have a measure of the risk that uh, to which they are exposing. First of all, military personnel, yeah. but also taxpayers, and they're going to get a real-time uh, uh, measure of the full cost of war, and and that will give them more reason to be circumspect about putting U.S. troops' lives at risk, and it's going to encourage them to, uh, and also show them the benefits of getting them out of war zones, show yeah. them the full benefits. And it's also going to encourage them to focus on things like diplomacy rather than uh, putting troops' lives at risk. Such a large part of our economy is health care costs. Certainly, uh, I encourage you to get a copy of Recovery. Uh, you can get a copy at Cato.org, Cato.org, also at any bookstore as well. Uh, Michael, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you that uh, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center is serving dinner Wednesdays through Saturdays, 4 to 8 p.m. And the menu is just terrific. The food is great, and it's terrific value as well. So I encourage you to visit Green the uh, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center Wednesdays through Saturdays, 4 to 8 p.m. We have with us uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, tier of influence of government, and government does. Continues to expand. Now, it's just amazing. One of the uh, biggest uh, people who are hiring is uh, the U.S. government is just expanding, expanding. It's just amazing when we, or we can't afford <laughs> We can't afford We're out of money. The, the analogy, I, and, and the reason we can't shrink it, the analogy I use is the, the federal government is a great white shark. It's a $6 trillion a year great white shark. Yeah. Now, imagine, you know, you, everybody knows, listening knows what the remoras are. The remoras are those fish you see swimming under, just behind the head of the great white shark. And they make their living off the scraps of the great white shark. They get little bits and pieces of what the shark eats. Uh, well, imagine how many remora are swimming behind a $6 trillion a year great white shark. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> the lobbyists, the, you know, all the, all the hangers <laughs> on, you know, and every one of those people. No matter what their interests are, when Trump, when someone like Trump comes in and says we're going to reduce this, they all have a common interest in stopping Trump. That's what that that's the swamp, that's the deep state, whatever you want to call it. Right. That's what that's what we're up against, and it's it's so big now that it's it's I you know what entity exists to take it on, you know right. It's like the Megalodon, you know, the, the movie The Meg. They, they, they've made two of them now. The Megalodon's the old prehistoric shark, the, the, the giant one. It, it was huge. And there's, you know, there's theories that in the deep oceans where we don't know, they, they actually have more Megalodons. Huh. <laughs> but um, they still exist. But anyway, that's what we're dealing with. We're so, dealing with something that. Yeah. So uh, I'd be curious about your thoughts on uh, the election results. I mean, I'm so disappointing uh, this past well, election, that, well, especially what happened in Virginia. It, you can't look at it as an election. You have to look at it as a crime scene because we human nature is such that if you if you come in and you know it, it, it's like children. If, if a child get, is a little obnoxious, like a 3 out of 10 on the obnoxious scale, and you let the child get away with it, the next time they uh, behave obnoxiously, they're not going to be at level 3. They're going to be at level 5. Yeah. And then if they get away with it at 5, they come back at a 7. Right. Well, this is what's happened with the election thieves, election, the election heists. I don't know if I went over these numbers with you. Huh. In 20. In 2020, Trump won the in-person vote in all 50 states. That means he won the in-person. If you showed up to vote in California, you, more people voted for Trump in California, New York, New Jersey, than voted for Biden. In all 50 states, Trump won the in-person vote. Huh. Biden won the mail-in vote in all 50 states. In Wyoming, he won the mail-in vote. Now... In the name of COVID, Democrats all over the country, and of course, most importantly, in the swing states, massively expanded mail-in voting. Mm -hmm. There was 29 million uh, mail-in votes in 2016. There were 66 million in 2020. Hmm. And the mail-in votes, of course, there's no ID, there's no tracing, there's no identification, there's none of that stuff. Right. And, and we had the videos of the people walking up. They put unattended mail, I mean, unattended uh, ballot drop boxes right. on the street. And there's video of people walking up with like Santa Claus bags full of ballots. Yeah. And just dumping them in the, uh, in the, in the, in the ballot boxes. I mean, it's, it's absurd. It's, it's third world banana republic voting. 
And that's how Biden won. He didn't win. He stole it. Just to get, put it in perspective, Trump added over 10 million votes to his 2016 total. Right. He set the record for legal, legitimate votes with 73-plus million votes. You're telling me Biden, who campaigned from his basement and has Alzheimer's, got 81 million votes? No. Unbelievable. 16, 16 million <laughs> more than Hillary Clinton? 16 million more than uh, Barack Obama? No. And yet you see so, these movies like 2,000 Mules and other documentaries. That's right. All the evidence is out there, and it seems to me that somehow, some way, courts don't want to address it. Well, all the court cases Trump filed never got to the evidentiary stage. Right. None of the evidence was ever reviewed. They, they were all dismissed on procedural grounds, right. judicial, legal, procedural grounds. They never got to evidence. So what happened? That was a, you know, they stole the election. Did they come back at the same level? No, it got worse. And this is, again, Republicans are awful. They're stupid. They're morons. There was more mail-in voting in 2022 than there was in 2020. There was no COVID. There was no reason to do this. Um, but the Republicans didn't, not only did they not roll it back, they didn't stop adding the addition huh. of, mail-in, of mail-in voting. So now we get to 2023. Glenn Youngkin put, you know, out there pushing, trying to flip the uh, Virginia Senate uh, over to Republicans because they control the House, but not they controlled the House, but not the Senate. And he's pushing and pushing and pushing, and you know he's trying to prime himself to. Pri- I'm guessing prime himself. You know, if he, if he had a if he had a good showing, he would parachute into the you know Republican thing and take out Trump. That was the. That was the theory, yeah, anyway. Right, and they lost. They didn't get the Senate. They lost the House. Well, what they didn't, what the media is not going to tell you is there are the, the his Youngkin's Democrat governor predecessor changed sixty voting laws. There is no accountability in Virginia. You don't need an ID. Not, you can you can register to vote without an ID. Huh. And you could, and you can do, you can register to vote on election day. Huh. You walk in on election day. I'd like to register to vote and like to vote. Sure, no problem. That's criminal. no ID, no no account. So here's a thought, dumbass Yunkin. If you want to win, you're governor for two years. Clean up the damn voting laws. Yeah. And and listen, I, you know, again, I'm not a I'm not a. To use a crass phrase, I'm not a jock sniffer. I don't, I don't worship politicians or athletes or anybody. But Ron DeSantis, Florida, to his credit, the reason Florida, reason DeSantis won every county in Florida in 2022, is because they cleaned up the voting laws in Florida. They they tightened them. They made you know mail-in voting is what it's supposed to be. On an individual basis, I'm in. I'm in Belize. I can't get there to vote. Can I have a single mail-in ballot? Okay. And gee, shocker, you know, we, we complained about the green wave disappearing. I mean, the red wave disappearing. It disappeared because the voting laws didn't allow the election to reflect the electorate. Yeah. In Florida, it in Florida it could because they cleaned up the voting rolls and shot uh, the voting laws. And shocker. It was red all over the di- over, all over the place. That is so interesting. And, and, See, and, and Yunkin spent three two, two plus years doing nothing about the voting law changes, and then wades into this ridiculously biased against him voting scenario, and then and then we all stare around blankly and go, "Gee, what happened well, to the red wave?" You know, this is such interesting commentary, Seton. I really appreciate you sharing this information with us. Again, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. I hope you'll visit the website, lessgovernment.org. You can also uh, follow Less Government on Facebook. Seton, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure indeed. Coming up, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? 
Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. We help prepare elected officials, and I say we because I serve on the board. We help elected officials have winning strategies in the legislature. The website is thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, as always, it's a pleasure on a Thursday, especially a beautiful one like today, to uh, to join you for a few minutes. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Bill. So I understand that the mayor now has decided and declared that she is a candidate for mayor again in uh, March. Yes, uh, yes, she has. And uh, um, the, the article, reading the article um, in the paper was like, uh, well, I'll tell you what, Bob, um, the stuff that, that she put out there i know she didn't write it that that you can bet on yeah but um uh some of the things just um uh that she's she's talking about small town feel and uh uh small town feel um i don't i don't know bob i don't know i guess i don't know what that is i knew what it was in 1973 when i was here yeah and and in the early 80s but i i don't know exactly what it is right now um, it's Naples. It's a great place to live and everything, but she pushes that thing to the, to the hilt. Yeah. And she's, she's quoted a whole bunch of things that she really didn't do. Um, but you know, she sells it to the public. Um, I think this time will be a little bit different. Um, and, um, uh, no, let me ask say, a question, Bill, if I, yeah. if I may, no, uh, where, where is, where, where does, uh, where does her backing come from? It's hard for me to understand that, uh, she's, really not a good candidate for mayor in the first place who who right. support who, who created the support for her for her and the well, other candidates i can i can i i can answer that um her um it was the old naples association mainly mm. okay where that it all came from from down in that area mm. and um they supported her big time now that's an interesting question because i don't know who is going to be supporting her this time i really don't mm. um People have seen it. Um, the, she has an excuse for everything that you could say. For example, the long meetings. Well, she blames that on prior councils and prior mayors, okay, that she has to have long meetings to, to straighten out things that they messed up. I mean, Bob, Yeah. Uh, that, that just doesn't work, no. okay? Um, I mean, just, just whatever it is, she has a, uh, a very good reason in her head and a, Sounds good, you know, and she puts it out there in the paper of why this is that. I mean, nobody asked the question of of uh, uh, Mayor Heitman. How many uh, administrative assistants did you have in your uh, in your in your first term? She, Bob, she's had six 
administrative assistance. Six. Huh. Uh, most of us have one. Yeah. Uh, and this is within three years. So, I mean, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> sounds, like the, sounds like Kamala Harris uh, syndrome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very similar. By the way, uh, switching gears, did you watch any of the... Uh, uh, of the debate last night? Yes, I did. I watched uh, a little bit of it. We got enough uh, to uh, to understand what was going on. You know, right. What, what did you think? I thought Lester Holt uh, um, and um, uh, well, what's her name did a very, very good job about keeping the candidates uh, on online and not letting them ramble like some of the prior ones. I thought that there were some good points made. They covered... Um, uh, a lot of territory. I got to see the second half uh, uh, of it, um, and um, um, I, I thought I thought it was a lot better than the uh, than the other parties' uh, 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 debates. Yeah, no, I I, I thought the uh, it was uh, well moderated. I thought Lester right. Holt did a nice job, and uh, and uh, the the candidates I think had made some good points. Yeah. Uh, 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 and I uh, did reflect that, uh, you know, for the most part, any one of those people would be a better president than than uh, oh. uh, Joe Biden. So uh, that, no but uh, it turned out that I think the person that won the debate is Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> his, oh, well, you know what, Bob? You know, they, they said that and they, they made it very clear that, look, when you go after him, especially in a forum like that, you're only helping him. Right, um, and they made that clear, but I don't think some of the candidates understand that because. Uh, uh, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, I'm watching what's going on with the Donald these days is uh, a show within itself. But um, I, I just um, I, I agree with with that with that uh, philosophy, that statement that you know that, that he's 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 just so far ahead, it's unbelievable. But, yeah. Um, but there were some very good points made, and they did cover a lot of ground. So that was um, that was good. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I just kind of amused me that Nikki Haley called uh, Ramaswamy uh, scum. Scum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I the, well, those two had some bad blood. Obviously, I don't agree. Um, but um, I I think that um, I think that it was it was it was. A, I don't want to say a pleasure to watch. It's always difficult to watch them, but. It was good. I thought it was good. Uh, that would be my my grade. I would give him a I would give him a B or a B plus on that. Absolutely. Um, and uh, the you know to to finish up with the campaigning and what's going on, um, Gary Price um, and Coach Bill Kramer, uh, uh, the ex uh, Naples High School football coach um, and and teacher, uh, former. Uh, uh, they had a little thing at Cambia Park. It wasn't there were no drums or, or bands or anything like that. And um, you know, uh, Gary Gary had already announced, but Bill Kramer. It was for Bill Kramer. And you know what, Bob? When you listen to him speak, um, he he commands. He has that that I don't know whether you call it coachability or whatever, but he, you know he means what he says. And and I think you can you know you take that at, at, at really at face value because. He made some good points about some, some of his goals, what he would like to accomplish. He wants to, um, you know, he focused on first responders, uh, but he really and truly, I think, will be a terrific council council person. Oh. And the nice thing is, he has he has graduated so many kids that are now voting. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do and know. I, I, I Bill <laughs> Coach Kramer uh, to me is a saint. I think he'd be a great city councilman. And of course, with the leadership of Gary Price, I think right. uh, things will only get better in Naples. Bill, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, have a great one, and thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow, including William Yateman, Senior uh, Legal Fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. Phil Kirpin is the president of uh, uh, American Commitment. Megan Chionis is a real estate uh, professional here in the Paradise Coast. We'll get her thoughts on what's happening in the markets, as well as Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.